وصحبه أجمعين من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له وأشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له وأنه أشهد أن محمدا عبده وحبيبه وخاتم رسله صلى الله عليه وعلى آله وصحبه ومن سار على نهجه إلى يوم الدين يا أيها الذين آمنوا اتقوا الله حق تقاته ولا تموتن إلا وأنتم مسلمون يا أيها الذين آمنوا اتقوا الله وقولوا قولا سديدا يصلح لكم أعمالكم ويغفر لكم ذنوبكم ومن يطع الله ورسوله فقد فاز فوزا عظيما ما بعد فإن أصدق الحديث كتاب الله وخير الهدي هدي محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم وشر الأمور محدثاتها وكل محدثة بدعة وكل بدعة ضلالة وكل ضلالة في النار All praise and thanks is due to Allah, the Lord and maintainer of the universe. We praise Him, we seek refuge in Him and we ask Him to forgive us. And I bear witness that there is only one God, Allah, and that Muhammad is His last and final messenger. He came with the true word and we are one of His followers. And may Allah's prayers and blessings be unto all of those who followed Him in righteousness until the last hour. Brothers and sisters in Islam, Allah says in the Qur'an, O you who believe, fear Allah in the true form that you must fear Him, and do not allow yourselves to die except in a state of belief. Allah also says, O you who believe, fear Allah in the true form that you must fear Him, and do not allow your tongues to say anything but the truth. If you do so, Allah will make your affairs righteous and good, and He will forgive your sins, and whoever obeys Allah and His Messenger, then surely they have reached a great success. As to what follows, the Prophet ﷺ said, the most truthful of all words are the words of Allah, Taala, And the most straightest of all paths is the path and guidance of the Prophet Muhammad ﷺ. And the worst of all matters are the matters which people introduce into this religion which does not belong in this religion. For every innovative matter in this religion that does not belong to the religion is a wrong path and every wrong path only leads to hellfire. My respected brothers and sisters in Islam, Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. We are in our series on the topic of the last hour. Last week we began our first session and just to summarize, last week I was talking about the belief in the hereafter and that there is a life that will come after this life. Anybody who does not believe that this world will end and that there is an afterlife or that your life is going to end and then after that there is an afterlife, then you are not a believer. It negates the pillars of Iman, of faith. A person must believe in the hereafter, in the resurrection, in the day of judgment, in heaven and hell. I also mentioned that the matters of the hereafter and the future are unseen to any person. Nobody can see the future. Nobody knows anything about the hereafter 
except what Allah has revealed to us through His Wahi, through the Prophet and through the Wahi. Can anybody remember what the Wahi is? Naam? Revelation. A bit more detail. Who is the Wahi? Jibreel alayhi salam. Who did Jibreel alayhi salam get the information from? Allah. And who is he the messenger to? To our messenger Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam. So we must believe that we can only know through the Wahi. I also said and mentioned through the Sunnah that that a Muslim who believes in the hereafter is different to a person who does not believe in the hereafter. And that their attitude and their habits are completely different. You will not find a person that truly believes in the coming of the hereafter, in the same behavior in their life, and in the same line of thinking, and in the same attitude in life, as the person who does not take the hereafter as a warning, does not believe in the hereafter. And so, for example, the person who believes in the hereafter, you find that they know that this life is nothing but a seed. It's a seed for the hereafter. And that they will pass it so they don't cling onto it. And do not waste their time trying to gather as much as they can from it, because they believe they will leave it all behind. The people who believe in the hereafter are always conscious and aware of Allah, that He sees you, He hears you, He is with you wherever you go in His knowledge that no matter what you do, Allah has recorded it and that you will be responsible for what you do. Therefore, a mu'min who believes in the hereafter does not only watch out and be careful for what they do but also watch out, watches out and be careful of what they do in the rights of others. They be careful not to oppress other people, to look after the young and the old and their parents and their children and their wives and the, their husbands and their spouses. And every person's right is to be met because a mu'min who believes in the hereafter knows that they will be questioned about all of this. He is aware and she is aware of what they eat and what they drink and how they do it and not to waste extravagantly on their clothes and on their wealth and on their dwellings and on their food because they know that on the day of judgment they will also be asked about that. A person who knows the hereafter thinks about the poor people and because their wealth which they earned is not their wealth. It is the wealth of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. If it is your wealth then nobody will be poor. You would be as wealthy as possible. So it all belongs to Allah. You get it and you lose it. Therefore Allah will ask you, who did you spend this money on and in what cause? A Muslim who believes in the hereafter is one who is aware of all of this. Not only does his generosity go to the people, but it also extends to be generous to the animals. Because you know as a, human, as a Muslim that on a day of judgment, even the animal complains to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala when you harm it. So, and just to add here, Iblis la'natullahi alayhi. When Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala threw him out of the ranks of the angels, he said, by your power, O God, I am going to lead all of the children of Adam astray. I'm going to make them do this and that and that, and I will make them become harsh to the animals until they will begin to pluck their ears and they will begin to mutilate their bodies. And I will make them mutilate their own bodies. The human beings will mutilate their own bodies. A person who believes in the hereafter knows that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has forbidden this and that whoever does it, Allah will judge them for the camel which they harmed or the cattle which they harmed or the sheep or the cat or the chicken or the bird 
As the Prophet ﷺ says, a bird that is shot without a purpose just for fun and just for games, it will turn out in front of Allah and it will be crying. And I'll say, Ya Rabb, your servant so-and-so shot me and he had no business with me. Really. So the Muslim who knows the hereafter and knows all of this stuff, all of these occurrences, all of these accountabilities, how can that person be equal in their attitude and their behavior as a person who does not, who does not take the hereafter as a warning, as a threat, as a hedence, as a, as a, as a, as a, uh, as a guidance, does not await for anything. Person doesn't believe in the hereafter will do anything and they have no limits, they have no boundaries. And I mentioned last week, which is good to mention again, they did a survey back in London and they asked in the university all the male students there, if you were able to commit a crime of rape, if you're able to rape a girl and get away with it and nobody would know anything about it and that's it, would you do it? 80% of them said yes. This is factual statistics. So the person who doesn't uh, who doesn't await or is aware and afraid of the accountability of the hereafter, how can they be the same? How? It's impossible. I also briefly mentioned some of the proofs that the hereafter and that the resurrection is coming. Some of these proofs, I repeat them to you again. Number one, the creation of the human being is from nothing to something. Well, you're not some, at one stage nothing, and then suddenly you are now something. You are existent. Not only from death did you come here, but from nothingness you were existent. And isn't it the one who gave you that life, takes it without your will as well? So you come into this world without your will, and this life is taken from you without your will. So there is someone who is controlling that. It is Allah. Another proof. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, look at the dry land, earth. Ask any farmer or observe it yourself. Dry land. It's dry. It's got nothing, no life. Suddenly rain drops on it. And then you have life form on the belly of the earth. And all animals survive, trees and crops, flowers and bees and everything. From dead and dry to life. Who is the one who brings it from dryness, from death to life? Allah. You see it in front of your eyes happening every day. So why? Why do you disbelieve or doubt that you could possibly be raised again after your death when you see it every day? Another proof. Every night you die. Yes, every night we die. Every night we go to sleep. It's called minor death. Do you not lose consciousness? Does your soul not escape until you are no longer aware? And then suddenly you are awake again. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the Quran that if you don't believe in the hereafter, then in your sleep there is a sign. Do you not see that He takes your soul away and then puts it in every night? Until there is an ayah in the Quran which says that the disbelievers on the day of judgment, when they see hellfire and they see the reality of the hereafter and the angels in heaven and hell and the jinns and all of that, they realize, they realize that they had done a great mistake 
great sin by denying the resurrection. And so they say, They will say, O oh, our Lord, you brought death to us twice and you brought life to us twice. And now we admit our sin. Is there a possibility that you can return us back so that we can repeat our deeds again? Allah does not allow them to do so. The point from this ayah, they said you brought us life twice and death twice. You brought us death twice and life twice. We were dead before we were created in our mother's stomachs, mother's uterus in her womb. And then we were dead again when we die, when we leave this world. That's twice. Living, or oh, sorry, not that. Two deaths is, I, I, I repeat inshallah and correct myself. The first death is when we go to sleep. We die and then we are, we are resurrected, we live again. And then we die our major death. There's two types of living. We live in this earth and then we are alive again in the hereafter. As for before being in our mother's wombs, then we are non-existent whatsoever. And that is a greater miracle. So these are some of the signs which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala puts forth as proof that the hereafter, the resurrection is very simple. One more proof. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala rationalizes with you, reasons with the man and tells us to think out of reasoning. Allah says, isn't he the one who, who created you in the beginning from nothing? Surely able to create you again another time from death easily. I mean if you if you invent an invention the first time, that's the hard part. The second time to reproduce that same invention is simple. The person who first created or invented the light bulb was it difficult for him to make another light bulb after he had invented it? No. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the one who began our creation from nothing, isn't it obvious? Isn't it rational? Isn't it obvious that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala can repeat that process? Very simple. Allah says, Bala wa alim. Oh yes, Allah says, and He's the one who creates and He's the one who knows how He creates you. It's common sense. So beware those of you who are not thinking about the coming of the hereafter. Those who are astray, those who are gone, those who are asleep, those who are lost in the temporary enjoyments of this world. You're going to leave it brothers and sisters, you're going to leave it behind. There's a greater priority. Don't prioritize the filth compared to the light in the hereafter. The point that I reached last week was about who knows when the last hour is going to come. Brothers and sisters, the last hour when the world's going to end. Nobody knows. No one knows when the last hour is going to come except Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Here is Jibreel alayhi salam, the angel Jibreel himself 
who doesn't live amongst us. Jibreel alayhi salam, from the, from the sky, from the heavens, he comes down to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam one day in front of all the companions and he was in the shape of a man whom they never, who did not know. And he sat in front of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. This is a long hadith in Bukhari and Muslim. He says, When is the last hour, ya Rasulullah? When is the last hour? And he said, Prophet said, Meaning, the person whom you are asking does not know any more than what the questioner knows about the coming of the last hour. Yani the Prophet does not know when the last hour is, nor does Jibreel know when it is. And Jibreel said, you are truthful. So if Jibreel himself does not know when the last hour is, how can we possibly know? Another hadith about Isa السلام, Jesus peace be upon him, he doesn't even know when the last hour comes. In a long hadith when the Prophet went up in Isra'ul Maraj when he ascended to the heavens, he met, he said, I met Ibrahim and Musa السلام, Abraham and Moses. And he said, we started talking about the last hour. So we looked, we both looked at Ibrahim السلام, and we both queried him, we asked him, Ya Ibrahim, when do you think it is? And Ibrahim السلام, replied, I have no knowledge about it. So they turned to Musa السلام, Oh Musa, do you know? He said, I have no knowledge about it. So they asked Isa السلام, and they said, Oh Isa, do you know anything about the last hour? And he says, as for his actual time, this is Isa السلام, quoting, I'm quoting from the hadith, as for its actual time, then no one knows it except for Allah. But within its time, I know that I have been promised by Allah that the Dajjal will emerge in the time before the last hour and I will have two bars with me. When, I, when the Dajjal sees me, he will melt like lead melts at a very high temperature. So Allah will destroy him. This is what Isa told the Prophet Muhammad in Isra al-Ma'raj. This is what we know about. And is narrated in Ahmad ibn Majah. Another hadith about not knowing when the last hour is. Before the Prophet died by one month, he said to his companions, You all ask me about the last hour and when it is. But its knowledge is only with Allah. No one knows when it is. He said, And I swear an oath by Allah. And I swear an oath by Allah, there is not a single person who is living right now on earth that will be living more than the next 100 years. In the Prophet before his death by one month, at that time he actually stood up and he said, everyone that's living on earth in his time, right there and then, 100 years from now will not be living. Yani, all the generation that existed, all the beings, right? The Prophet 100 years after that were gone and dead. And here I would like to make a little note against uh, the radical Sufis that they have long stories about a man called Al Khadr. He was a nobleman, Al Khadr, and we believe in him. Mentioned in the Quran with the story of Musa. Salam. What they say is that they believe that Al Khadr has remarkable miracles and that he still lives till today and that he roams till today and that every once in a while you can hear a message from him coming out and that Al-Khadr himself will exist to the last hour 
This is impossible and this hadith refutes it. This hadith is in Sahih Muslim. But the Prophet ﷺ said at that moment, Wallahi, by Allah, that from my day to day, there isn't a single being, a single person on earth that will remain alive after 100 years from that day. So there was nothing living after, no more human beings living after the Prophet ﷺ had said 100 years after. So anyone who claims that the, year, that the last hour is known by anyone, or that they try to calculate, or they try to say, I think it's in about a thousand years after the Prophet's death, or I think no more than maybe 200 years, or maybe two years, or... you people are erring, meaning you are, you are in great error. Anyone who claims that they know, or claims it's time, really has follied. And you have erred a great way off the path of the Prophet wasallam. You've gone against the Sunnah. So if Jibreel and Isa and Ibrahim and Musa and Muhammad did not know the last hour, who do you think you are to claim that you know when it is or try to calculate it? Don't bother and don't waste your time because you are doing a sin. Now you are doing a sin and you are doing a bid'ah. A bid'ah, an innovation. Remember in the beginning of our talk, anyone innovates into this religion which stop long to it is in hellfire. The, the companions never sat there starting to calculate the hereafter or when it will come. Nor did they sit there. I mean, whenever they asked the Prophet ﷺ, he became disturbed from that question. And he always refuted that question. He always used to say something like, don't ask me when it is, what have you prepared for it? You keep asking me, only Allah knows it. I do not know more than you. Do not ask about the last hour, but these are its signs. So we don't know when it is. However, the Prophet ﷺ did inform us that it is very, very, and very close. It's very near. Last hour, brothers and sisters, is very, very near. It's not far away. And there are many verses in the Quran and many hadiths of the Prophet ﷺ that prove and confirm that the last hour is very, very near. For example, Allah says in the Quran, in Surah Al-Anbiya, verse 1, The last hour for the people has come very close, while everyone else is in their lost hood. Everyone else is asleep. You are asleep. Allah says, and the last hour is very close, and you are still asleep. In another ayah, Allah says in Surah Al-Ma'arij, verse 6 and 7, Allah says, they all, they all look at the, at the last hour as being very far away. Allah says, but we see it as being very, very close. In another ayah in the Quran, in Surah Al-Qamar, verse 1, Allah says, Allah says, the last hour has come very close, and the moon has already split, as being one of the signs. If you ask about the splitting of the moon, it happened at the time of the Prophet ﷺ. One day, this blue moon actually split and you could see two parts of the moon. One behind this mountain, another one behind the other mountain. This was a miracle that happened and it's, hist it's a historical fact in the seerah, if you want to look it up. In the hadith of the Prophet ﷺ, Sahih Bukhari, he says, 
He said when Prophet ﷺ was like when he came as a prophet, he said to the people, I and the last hour have been sent together like these two fingers. And he extended his two fingers like this, pointing out to us that the distance between the size of these two fingers is equivalent to how much is left until the last hour comes. So imagine that little difference on the top, how much of your middle finger compared to your index finger is left compared to the life of the world. Right? So this is how long is left of the life of the world. Only a tiny little bit. Only a tiny bit. Also Ibn Umar, the son of Umar radiallahu anhu, Abdullah radiallahu anhu, he said, we were sitting with the Messenger sallallahu alayhi wasallam when the sun was only a small distance away from the setting position. And it was only about maybe a palm length or two palms, up, the sun was still up, about two palms away from setting, very close to setting. You know that distance? And when the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam turned around to his companions and he said, there isn't anything left of your lives meaning the lives of this world, except the same as how much is left of this day, of today, compared to how much has already passed. So imagine now, brothers and sisters, Prophet is sitting there, and the sun is almost about to set. There's only about like, you know, a palm length between the sun setting and the horizon. And all of that which the sun has rotated on earth has already passed. Compare that little section left for the sun to set. Prophet ﷺ is giving a beautiful metaphor. That the world, the sun has risen for a long time on the world. And now very soon it will set. Very soon the world is going to end. Just like the end of a day. You know, just before the sun sets, close to the end of a day. He's, he, Prophet ﷺ is explaining how near the last hour is. Warning us that the day of judgment is coming very near. And another hadith he says, بُعِثْتُ أَنَا وَالسَّاعَةِ جَمِيعًا وَإِنْ كَادَتْ لَتُسْبِقَنِي He said, I and the last hour have been sent together. Meaning, when I come, the last hour is only a few moments away. He also said, using another metaphor, trying to express, trying to emphasize that the last hour is very near, saying, sometimes I think that it is about to beat me. Meaning, last is about to come before I end. You know, the signs are very near. The, the signs are very already there. And the last hour is very near. I mean, look at your lives, brothers and sisters. Your lives. How long have you lived? You know, and think about when was the last time you were only five years old, six years old. It was yesterday. Yesterday. Ask your grandmother, ask your grandfather, ask your mum and dad. How long they've lived more than you? How long was it before? How, was, how long was it before they started to get white hairs? How long? It seems like only yesterday. It seems like only this morning. And this is our lives and this is, this is the world. Brothers and sisters, Allah says in the Quran, the last hour is nearing. And you are still in your losthood. You are still asleep. So we have to come and wake up. A lot of people are thinking, what does the last hour actually mean? Yani, when Allah, when Prophet ﷺ or Allah say in the Quran, says in the Quran, as the hour, 
What does the hour mean? Is it 60 minutes? Is that what an hour is? Or is it a time without a specific amount of time? Well, the hour in Arabic or in, in Arabic terms, when you say an hour, it means a time, a small portion of time as part of the very big time. Doesn't necessarily mean 60 minutes, literally. So the last hour doesn't mean that the world's going to end in 60 minutes. Or the whole world erupts in 60 minutes. Don't get that idea. But rather the hour means a short time. That's all it means. A short, relevantly short time compared to a very, very long time. So in Islamic terms, in Sharia, it is the final moment. It is the final moment of the world's existence. How long has the world existed? Millions of years, billions of years, whatever it is. It is the final and last tiny portion of its moments before the world actually is destroyed. The universe is gone and you are resurrected out of your graves for the day of judgment. It is when it will end and your resurrection occurs. That's the hour. And it is called hour. I mean, why did Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala call it al-hour, al-sa'a? You know why? Can anyone guess why Allah called it the hour or the last hour? Does anyone know why it is called the hour other than what I have said? Naam? Because it is quick. Because it is quick. It's fast. It's going to end very quickly. So the hour means it is quick. There are three types of last hours, brothers and sisters. There is the minor hour, the middle hour, and the major hour. As for the minor hour, then it is the short time when a person dies. Short time that you live till you die. This is the minor hour. There is a middle hour, and that is when the whole generation passes away. In a hundred years or two, 120 years or whatever it is, the whole of the generation is gone. Second generation. This is a middle hour. And the major hour is the day of resurrection, the day of judgment. When the world ends, that's also considered a middle hour. You know why? Because the people, generations, all die. The major hour is the day of judgment. When everyone is taken out of their graves and we stand we stand before Allah for a judgment, accountability for everything that we ever did in our life. And whenever the sa'ah, the hour, is mentioned in the Quran, whenever Allah says in the Quran, the hour, He means the major hour. The day of judgment. The day of judgment has come very close. That's what it means. The last hour, the judgment day has come very close for the people. Well, they are heedless of it. They are still wasting their time. Last. 
Still young, mate. I'm still young. Got a long life ahead of me. I've got so much to see. Salam. So many to roam. I want to roam the world. So much I've got still. Whoever died and they had accomplished everything, brothers and sisters, who? And the signs, my dear brothers, Prophet could not tell us when the last hour is, but he tells us what are its signs. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala was merciful enough to let us at least know what are the signs. What indicates to us the hour is getting closer and closer and closer without telling us when it really is. Because if, if we knew when it is exactly, we would just wait and do all the sins under the sun until the last hour comes. And then we'll repent to Allah and that is really not a justifiable cause. So Allah hid away the last hour in order for us to be tested properly. And there are many signs. The scholars divide it into two types of signs. These are the minor signs and the major signs. The minor signs of the hereafter, before the last hour comes, they happen a long time before the last hour. And they are normal occurrences to us, like we're used to them. They're not something unusual. Such as, for example, for example, an example of the minor signs of the coming of the hereafter, is the restriction of knowledge. Knowledge will be restricted from the people. And the spread of enormous ignorance. Too many people are ignorant. And corruption, the spread of corruption everywhere. Increased alcohol consumption until it even reaches our lands, the Arab lands, the Islamic lands as well. High towers and buildings, skyscrapers. These are all, and many others like it, these are all minor signs. They're just minor signs that occur all the time like that after each other. Bang, 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 one after the other. Occurring everywhere, around us, within us, in our homes, outside of our home. Occurring, occurring, occurring. And these are a little bit, a fair bit away compared to the major signs. And some of these minor signs can continue until the major signs. Like when the major signs are happening, some of these minor signs are still happening. So it doesn't mean that the minor signs have to be cut off before the major signs come. They continue with the minor So they're going minor signs and they collide with the major sign. It's almost like thinking like this, brothers and sisters. It's almost like this. It's almost like you know, a volcanic eruption. First, you know, the earth rumbles. Second, it shakes for a few days. Third, the mountain begins to rumble. Fourth, it just bursts all over and destroys everything inside. So the coming of the last hour is like a volcanic eruption. It slowly creeps in and gets worse and worse and worse until finally it erupts. As for the major signs, then they are the great signs. They are the abnormal signs, the unusual signs, signs that you've never, they're just unusual signs. Against all odds, against science, against everything. And when these occur, then know that the last hour is on the verge, on the brink of erupting. Any moment, any moment now. Such as, for example, an example of the major signs is the coming of the Dajjal, the Antichrist. And we'll talk about him, inshallah, soon. Don't worry. The dissension 
of Isa alayhi salam, when Isa, Jesus son of Mary, peace be upon him, will descend from above, from the sky, he will come back. So the return of Isa ibn Maryam alayhi salam is one of the major signs. The escape of Ya'juj and Ma'juj, Gog and Magog, this terrible, terrible tribe. And we will also talk about this insha'Allah as the day comes. Or such as the rising of the sun from the opposite direction. So where it sets right now, the sun will stop and then we'll do a reverse cycle. It will start rising and setting in the opposite direction. Allahu Akbar. This is all when everything goes opposite. Things turn upside down. The sun's going the opposite direction. Things are occurring in our life that are abnormal, unusual. And there are many other, a few other major signs, a few other major signs. When they appear, Prophet said there are ten of them. When they appear, the first sign that appears, then know that the other signs will come out. And Prophet said how? He said like breaking a necklace with beads in it. You break it, see how the beads just fall out one after the other very quickly. You can't stop them. In order, one by one, that's how the major signs will come. This is how they will appear. Like cutting a bead, a necklace with beads in it. Cutting the string and watch the beads how they come out. One after the other. Very quickly. Or if you would like, I can give you a better example. Sorry, not a better example. I can give you another example. Like a water bottle. Turn the water bottle upside down and watch how the water escapes from it. Slowly, slowly, slowly. Until the last bit of water, how does it escape? Very quickly. So we are now at that last bit of water left in that bottle. And escape very quickly. Also the scholars divided these uh, signs into three further categories. They said, some of these signs have already happened and finished and gone. Like you don't see them anymore. They already happened. Some of these signs are happening now at the moment and they still haven't ended. And some of these signs have not happened yet and they are yet to happen. And the only signs that have not happened yet are the major signs. That's all that's really left now. Maybe I exaggerated. Maybe only a little bit more minor signs, Allahu A'lam. But 98 or 99% of the minor signs have already happened. And we are still living in them now. This is what I am going to talk to you about, inshallah, in the next two to three weeks. Today, I'll mention a few of them and then I will stop, inshallah. The minor signs. We start with the minor signs. And here I would like to begin with the signs that have already happened and gone at the time after the Prophet And the signs which I'll be mentioning to you, of, of course, are the signs which I can be confident that they are authentic from the Prophet The scholars have mentioned too many, there's too many minor signs. And a lot of them are weak, a lot of them are fabricated, a lot of them just made up. So I am only going to concentrate on the authentic ones from the Sunnah. And I can't really tell you them in order, 
Like, I mean, the Sunnah did not say the minor signs or the, the signs, any of the signs, in a particular order. Like, Prophet didn't say to us, this will happen first, then this, then this, then this. Only a few times he would say that. So, to the best of my effort, I will try, according to what the scholars have said, put them in the best order that we can, according to how the scholars put them. And before I begin, I need to say a few notes. I have to say a few notes. You have to remember them, brothers and sisters. A lot of us fall into these problems. Number one. Most of the minor signs, most of them actually began at the time of the companions of the Prophet How long ago was that? 1,400 and something years ago. It actually began at the time of the companions of the Prophet So don't anyone think that the minor signs are only now. They began a long time ago, 1,400 years ago. So how long is there left? And they have been increasing ever since. Like ever since they began then, the minor signs are increasing and increasing. Today we have an abundant amount of minor signs. And they began to increase in certain places faster and more than other places. The second note that I have to tell you as well before I explain the signs. It is not a condition that the whole of the minor signs have to emerge completely. Like, for example, if one of the minor signs, for example, one of the minor signs is the spread of ignorance and the restriction of knowledge. This does not mean that there will be no more knowledge whatsoever. This does not mean that every scholar will no longer exist, there will no longer be knowledgeable people. No, this does not mean that. But when the Prophet ﷺ says, knowledge will be restricted and that ignorance will be abundance, it means that when you look around, when you look around, the average person is ignorant. And the knowledgeable people are mixed, are mixed within this large ignorant population of the world. Meaning it will be very difficult to find and locate the knowledgeable people. You have to search for them because of the abundance of ignorance. In the time of the Prophet it was easy to find knowledgeable people, they were just there. But now they are intermixed in the midst of all this ignorance. It's everywhere. So it's hard to find knowledgeable people. Are we not in that time now? Wallahi it is. How many people have we seen confused? They don't know what's right, what's wrong. And they ask this person, that person. People give them different advices and different... And you think to yourself, isn't Islam only one? Yes, Islam is only one. It's only one correct way. But it's the signs of the last hour, my dear. The knowledgeable people are a little bit. And they are mixed somewhere in this ignorant in this ignorant sea of people. You have to search for them. You have to sincerely search for them and ask Allah to help you. Another note and final note which I would like to make is that many people think, some people think, that just because the Prophet ﷺ said that something is a sign of the last hour, they think that it has to be bad. They think that it's forbidden. Right, they think it's forbidden. Like sometimes they say, you know brother, I heard this is the sign of the last hour. And I'm like they think like something bad. Just because the Prophet ﷺ mentions a sign of the last hour, doesn't mean that it is necessarily a bad thing. Nor does it necessarily mean it's a good thing. For example, one of the signs which Prophet ﷺ mentioned is the building of high towers. Which will be built by the former poor barefooted shepherds. Long time ago, they were the poor barefooted shepherds that were known to the Arabs. And he said there will come a time when these poor 
barefooted shepherds will begin to build high tower skyscrapers in, in, on earth. And today this is happening. Does it mean that building high buildings is haram? No. So don't get the wrong idea that just because a sign has appeared, it means that sign has to be bad. Okay, some people just want to make that note, insha'Allah. Now let's really begin. The minor signs of the last hour. The first of all these signs, the first, absolute first of the minor signs began. Can anyone guess? Not anyone around me who's read my notes. Someone over there. Can anyone guess what is the first minor sign? What? What about Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi What? What is it? Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi What about him? The coming of Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Okay. So the rising of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Now, so as soon as the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam received Jibreel Alaihi Salam, he announced he was a prophet. That was the first sign of the approach of the hereafter. That's the first. It began right there. That's where it began. The last portion of the world began from there. And the Prophet ﷺ did say that he and the last hour have come together. So there is no prophet after him. Who knows what the second sign of the last hour is? No. The second sign of the last, the first hour is the Prophet ﷺ, which means the Quran as well. The, the second sign is the Prophet's death. Yes, his death. Two signs already from the time of the death of the Prophet ﷺ. And he said, Anas radiallahu anhu, or the Prophet ﷺ first of all says, count six things before the last hour. And one of these six things is my death. My death. Anas radiallahu anhu said, the best time, the best times, the dawn of the best times, where all the light expanded amongst us. And we felt the beautiful love between each other and the brotherhood was when the Prophet ﷺ came amongst us. He said, and the darkest moment and the darkest time that ever came unto us began when the Prophet ﷺ died. When we were burying him, sallallahu alayhi wasallam, we did not know what to believe in anymore. We lost our hearts for a minute. We lost, we doubted our hearts. We doubted our hearts. Allahu Akbar. Ankarna qulubana. We doubted our hearts and everything around us began to change. Yes. The second sign of the last hour, the Prophet's death, everything began to change immediately. Al-Qurtubi says, this means, meaning that when the Prophet ﷺ died, they immediately felt the change from care, love, closeness and brotherhood to being departed, hatred, confusion, losthood. Because you see my brothers and sisters, by the death of the Prophet ﷺ, the wahi was once and for all, was cut off forever. 
the wahi, the, 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 the dissension of any revelation. That was it. It was the last time any revelation would come down. It was cut off, destroyed, gone. And Umm Ayman radiallahu anha, when Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu and Umar entered onto her, they found her crying when Prophet died. Asked her, Ya Umm Ayman, why are you crying? Death is going to happen. She said, I'm not crying because the Prophet had died and the last hour is near. She said, I am crying because the wahi is no longer going to happen. And they started to cry with her. And the first bath, and the prophethood, the prophethood was dead, no longer any prophethood. And the first bad thing that happened was that the Arabs began the Arabs began to apostate. They left Islam. So these were the signs of signs of the last hour, things being destroyed. The third sign, a minor sign of the last hour, is the opening of Baytul Maqdis, the opening of Jerusalem. The Prophet ﷺ predicted that, prophesied that. And it was opened by Umar ibn Khattab radiallahu anhu in the sixteenth year after the Hijrah. And the Prophet ﷺ said in the hadith, count six before the last hour. And one of them also was the opening of Baytul Maqdis, Jerusalem. The opening of Jerusalem. And Umar ibn Khattab opened it without a war. There was no war. He just entered it and the occupants of the land, the Jews, and some of the Christians, they actually gave Umar ibn Khattab the key. It's a long story, it's a very interesting story, but they actually gave him the key to the doors of Jerusalem because it was prophesied in the Torah of the coming of such a man. And he opened Jerusalem without any war. And he uh, and he 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 um, he, abom- abom- he um, abolished shirk, and he built the masjid, which we now know, Masjid al-Aqsa, in front of the dome, in front of the dome where the Prophet ﷺ sent to the sky. And the reason why Umar al-Khattab built Masjid al-Aqsa right there was because he remembered that it was the Prophet ﷺ when he ascended to the sky, that's where he prayed Imam with all of the Prophets. And so he built the Masjid exactly where the Prophet ﷺ prayed Imam. There was nothing built there yet. So Umar al-Khattab built it. The fourth sign, another sign of the minor signs which has already happened is the one which Prophet ﷺ prophesied. The plague, the plague in a town called Amwas. It's a town in Palestine. And in the year 18, after Al-Hijrah, the plague began to spread from the Amwas and it spread to Asham, all the way into the Arab lands. On that day, 25,000 Muslims died. And some of the famous ones who died amongst those Muslims was the companion of the Prophet ﷺ who lived till that time, the well-known, renowned Abu Ubaid ibn al-Jarrah Another sign, the increase of wealth, the increase of wealth for the Muslims to the point where the people would begin to give their sadaqah, charity, and there will be no one poor enough to accept it. This was also one of the minor signs of the last hour. And this already did happen. It happened not only once but twice before. It happened a short while after the Prophet's death in the time of Umar ibn al-Khattab The kingdom of Islam spread until they conquered Persia. And then they conquered Kisra and Qaisar. They conquered Rome. Rome! It's like saying today conquering Conquering the U.S., huh? Conquering, so it spread. 
the kingdom of the Muslims spread all the way to Rome and to one of the companions forgot his name Prophet prophesied that he will wear the bangles of Kisra of Rome so it spread through Persia and Rome and the Prophet said one of the signs of the last hours that will spread and the wealth of the Romans will be, and Persia will be divided amongst the Muslims and the Arabs until they will be given charity and no one will be there poor enough to receive any charity and it happened again at the time of Umar ibn Abdul Aziz another Khalifa where they would give sadaqah and no one would be poor enough to accept it and ever since more wealth has increased amongst the people anyway until today my dear brothers and sisters the wealth is so much increased so increased nowadays that it is everywhere and the oppressors are taking it all Abu Hurairah narrates a hadith about this he says that the Prophet said one of the signs of the last hour is that just before the last hour the earth the earth the earth will vomit out of its belly all of its treasures it will vomit it until you will see that in front of you on earth on the top of the earth literally there will be large pillars poles pillars of gold and pillars of silver until the person who used to murder for money they will look at that gold and silver and they will say for this I killed people and the person who cut off his family ties he will say for this I've cut off my relatives and my uncles and this and that for this and the thief will say for this I stole for this I did this Prophet said wallahi they will leave it and not they will not even take a single bit of it until gold and silver will no longer have any value at all and these are one of the signs last night hasn't happened yet it is very very near and the last which I would mention for today another minor sign is the increase of the trials and fitna conflicts conflicts and fights and trials wars and wars of ideology wars of wealth conflicts of wealth conflicts in ideologies tests and trials where the mu'min will be tested with their with their religion and I finish it here by saying that the Prophet ﷺ said one of the fitna one of the the afflictions that you will be faced with before the last hour is a confusion who is right and who is wrong and he said the one who is holding on to his religion firmly will be like one who is holding on to a coal of fire and you will have to grasp onto your religion so tightly on that day because there will be so many trials so many signs of the last hour so many conflicts and afflictions so many trials and tests that will be easy for a person to lose their faith so you must hold on to what time and we are now in our time in our time especially we are still in the depth and the heart of this great fitna Muslims entering some Muslims apostating Muslims are born, born Muslims and yet you can hardly see any sign of Islam on them practicing Muslims to these days are a very minority are a minority
and the non-practicing Muslims are a majority. And some of them, many of them, Allah, the majority of the Muslims today are actually committing acts of kufr. Yet they do not even know it. So my brothers and sisters, I will stop here for today insha'Allah and we will continue next week insha'Allah with starting off from here the fitna and continuing insha'Allah with more of the minor signs. I thank you for listening.